listening to Security Lab podcast. Guys, you know something? I was doing work late at night and I saw a startling news. A riot occurred. And it's not in any of the developing countries. It's in the United States of America and guess what? Their administrative center Capitol Hill had a whole bunch of people storming and there was like insurgents going on. I could see people with tactical gear and zip ties going into the building. Man, that's a scary sight to see. What do you guys think about it? I bet it has something to do with uh, President Trump having to give up his seat. Yeah, I heard he lost the election, but uh, it seems he was doing some, uh, he was taking some legal action, and I guess that didn't go quite well. And uh, you guys have any idea what happened after that? Uh, so apparently, from what I hear and read, uh, is that there were some social media messages out there asking his supporters to, you know, storm the building or, or basically protest and things like this. And I, I believe uh, one thing led to another, and there was escalation into the Capitol Hill building. Uh, it seemed to started off uh, slow and then it, it became into a full-fledged riot where people broke into the building um, and, and it's not really very clear what exactly the intentions were after that what were, were they planning to take in hostages was it going to get even worse uh, we don't really know because uh, all the people from the building were eva- evacuated immediately uh, there was an emergency in there and uh, yeah and apart from all this um, uh, I believe there was certain devices like you know laptops and everything being stolen um, um, and and also possibly the network being like you know attacked uh, so one of the questions that does come to mind is like you know what what if someone maybe in your organization you could face something similar where you may have a physical breach someone breaks into your network you know steals your devices uh, plugs in um, a rogue device uh, you know you don't really know so what exactly we could do in some uh, in a situation like this. So let's look at this problem and, and compartmentalize the, the issues. The first one is a physical compromise, which means a third party has gotten access into the physical building. So what we can do to secure that. Secondly, an asset is most likely stolen. In normal situations, you usually hear about laptops getting stolen. But today you have tablets, you have NUCs, those computers with very small form factors or even desktops. And these devices can also be stolen. So you have the second part which is the devices being stolen. And the third part is the aftermath. What else could have happened uh, when your physical site gets compromised? So let's look at it in three different sections. And let's look at what we can realistically do as an organization to secure this environment. Okay, so the first part is someone getting physical access to your building. Now, essentially in the Capitol Hill case, you didn't have one or two or three. You had a whole mob of people going into the building and they were all over the place. So there's no, there's no clue of knowing what actually they did. So in this case, Let's assume the worst. So imagine your building was stormed by a mob of 100 people who may have uh, cyber security penetration testing red team knowledge. What could they do in that case? 
I would imagine that if any of these people were in a, in a physical building, they would look at, example, network points. Is there any exposed network points that I could use? That's the first thing that I would look at. Now, Wi-Fi's tend to be a bit more secure because you may have uh, security schemes like EAP, TLS, to make sure that you have a digital certificate installed on your machine. So getting through to a access point or through the wireless network may be a little bit more difficult, may require a little bit more time. Mike, what you hear so, so I would look at a network sure point. Never miss a show so then the first the question is, what now. do we do with this exposed This podcast is made possible points? by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. The first thing is you can physically lock it down so that no one can have access to exposed network points. Number two, you can limit what device can connect to a physical network point. There are solutions such as network access control that allows you to identify what device is being plugged in, whether they are authorized to connect or not, and from there give them the right levels of permission for them to access the kind of information that they need to. Okay, well Doc, I'm, I'm not a, a cybersecurity or even a technical expert, but, uh, but I'm presuming what you mean by exposed network points is that if they saw a, a cable, a network cable, and they happen to have the bad guys or the protesters or whoever who rampaged the building happen to have a, a device with them, with, a, with an interface to plug that network cable in, uh, can compromises happen that, happen that way? That's exactly what I'm trying to explain. So someone could put in their, their cable, do a scan on the network, try to find out if they are open shares. Uh, open shares are essentially file shares that don't need permission. So you can immediately browse and see what files are in there. You can make a copy of those files. That's probably something that may have happened. Now we assume that with uh, federal governments, you have tighter controls, you have requirements like the US NIST standards. So they would follow a certain level of standards to ensure that uh, you don't have an open share, you don't have any services that's laying open for you to use. So, but before even that, we want to make sure that we secure the network layer. So can your network first detect if a rogue device is being plugged in? And if it does, how does it know the difference between an authorized device versus an unauthorized device? This is where it gets slightly complicated. If it's a PC, kind of easy, right? Because you can put in a software, the software will validate your machine. What about devices like printers, network attached scanners? These are standalone devices and those points are pretty much at times unprotected. So as an attacker, most person would target these kind of points to say, let me plug in and basic or rudimentary control would mean that I check the hardware address or the Mac address the network address of that particular device before I allow it, which is kind of silly because if you take the printer out to the back, there will be a sticker there that tells you this is the MAC address of that particular printer. And as an attacker, all I do is configure that MAC address into my network interface. I connect, lo and behold, I'm already connected to it. So at least there's some level of control that's there, but there should be some idea of what's happening. A printer should not be connecting to any other arbitrary device. A printer should just be passively listening for the print server to send it a job. So knowing what your device does, 
understanding what your device does in the network gives you an idea of what the device can and should do create a profile of what the device does and if the device does something beyond what it's supposed to do the organization should have some form of capability for it to identify that behavior change and detect it immediately but i don't get it because the issue that we're talking about here is physical access Okay, when somebody gets gained physical and unlawful access to exposed devices and all those things, the, the crucial issue here is time. Would you have sufficient time to actually rectify all of this? You're absolutely right. The issue is time, but if the control was put in beforehand, you don't have a problem. You wouldn't be able to anticipate something like that happening. True. I mean, if, if you were the CISO of Capitol Hill, in your risk assessment, the chances of someone doing an insurgence or riot in Capitol Hill would most likely be zero. So you would never have thought of such a secure building having such insurgence or an issue that attacks the physical assets of the building. So yeah, you wouldn't have thought about it. Yeah, coming back to the same point that Doc mentioned, so you can also deal with insider threats like this. Let's say you have multiple floors within a building, right? And each floor would have different departments. So you wouldn't want, as an example, your, your finance team to access systems which are maybe lying around say in the marketing department or vice versa. So you can have like these controls which kind of segregate your network so that each department functions separately. and. And the whole idea is over here is that, uh, like Doc, uh, Doc mentioned, is that you have access controls implemented in uh, earlier on. So it's not really about uh, you know someone breaking in. You also have insider threats over here, which which these kind of controls can take uh, yeah. kind of look into. Exactly. What I'm saying is that these are all reactive strategies. There's only this much you can do. Controls place put in place to prevent things that you can anticipate, you can foresee from happening. But when you have an incident like that. Nobody could foretell, you know, and definitely there will be a gap here where you will have a problem that you have not totally, you're not aware of, you're not prepared of. It's just a very, very difficult situation. So my question then is, is there really anything that InfoSec could have done? One way is that today, if you see a lot of organizations do red team penetration testing, which involves not just the cyber, but also physical penetration testing. So which means someone actually gained unlawful access into the physical part of the building and from there checking to see if they can do further damage. So what we're looking at is that scenario actually happening but in an uncontrolled environment. So in a controlled environment, one way for you to identify if these attacks will succeed is by performing an active rating assessment. It will probably take a long time for you to really identify and flush out all these things. By You're then, right. what is the extent of the damage? True. Uh, in fact, uh, there's one case where two pen testers uh, were caught entering into a courthouse uh, in the US. Uh, they, they ended up uh, in a very bad situation because uh, they had a case against them. But because they actually had the letter up front to say, we have been engaged by the courts to see if these people can actually break in and access. So essentially you are simulating these attacks in an event where you want to see whether your existing controls will hold against any of these such issues. Like what you rightfully said, 
they may not have been prepared for a riot, granted, but the controls would still apply. You would still see people walking into a federal building. There may be visitors coming in. There may be vendors coming in. These are real risks that may not just necessarily be with rioters, but with other people who physically enters the building. So there's that, the physical aspects of um, securing uh, devices um, or buildings against people who, who enter buildings with bad intentions. What about uh, assets or machines that are taken away and they try to do things with the machine? Is there anything that can be done about that? By default, today, more mature organizations will have hold this encryption. What that means is that when your machine boots up, it's going to ask you for some sort of identifier, maybe a password, in order for your hard disk to be decrypted, demangled or demystified, in order for you to start using it. That prevents data from being stolen. However, a lot of organizations take risk-based approach, which means these kind of softwares are typically installed in laptops, but not necessarily on desktops. So which means someone who gained access into these machines, these desktops that are unprotected, would essentially suck out all these files and now have access to these sensitive information that's stored in the hard drive. So for laptops, yeah, you probably have a bit more better controls, but organization should start looking at rolling these controls out even for desktops. In the event, if those assets go missing, they're stolen, or they're compromised in whatever way, that's the first thing. The other thing that I think is crucial that we should look at is, you are now in a very urgent situation. You have people knocking on your door, you have to leave immediately. Then the question is, what can I do? Easiest way is, if you're using a Windows environment, press the Windows key, and L for Windows logout. So you press Win L, that immediately logs you out from your current from your current terminal. That should be the first thing that all organizations should look at making aware as part of their security awareness. How do you immediately log out? I can still see a lot of organizations, a lot of people practicing Control Alternate Delete and Enter. Fine, but if you really have to go out and do it fast, use Windows L. Some organizations, they implement smart card based logons, which means that you have to plug in your ID card into the machine. And if you need to go to the toilet, excuse yourself, go for a meeting, you plug out your smart card, the machine automatically logs. So these are two methods that uh, organizations can do to prevent um, the machines from being tampered. The other way is, we can look at screensavers. So usually after five minutes, your screensavers start coming in and in order for you to go back in, you log back into the machine. Now, this may work if you have that time delay of five minutes before your screensaver comes up. If not, your machine is still unprotected, someone can still gain access. But can this apply for everyone? Not necessarily. Example, if you're in a bank, and you're in the front, you're a frontliner, you're in the teller where you're dealing with customers, you need to do your know your customer process, KYCs. Sometimes you want to ask questions about transaction, why are you doing this transaction as part of your counter-terrorist financing, uh, 
anti-money laundering practices. There's a whole lot of process that requires interaction with the user or your customer before you can even get back to your machine. Imagine if your machine locks up every single time that you try to access it because you're taking too long of a time to return back to your machine. It becomes cumbersome, it becomes counterproductive. It really impacts the customer centricity of that particular organization. So a lot of organizations do this, but there's also a pros and cons of what kind of control you Okay, following the measures that you have recommended, one very simple question. In the event that the device is removed from the location, and although I assuming that I have logged off, how much time do I have? If you've logged off, the machine is secure. Until the battery dies in that particular device, that machine is on. Meaning there is no way you can gain access into the information inside there? This I have to think. And the reason why I say I have to think is because there are many possibilities of what can be done. Right. So example, if the machine is still logged in, one way is I perform a pen test against that particular machine. There may be ports that are opened, there may be application that's running in the background. If the machine is not patched, then there's a possibility of me running an exploit, getting access to the machine, getting access to the data. Now that's it. It again depends on what kind of application it's running, whether the patch level is up to date, whether it's running say software like a personal firewall or an endpoint detection or prevention suit that would limit the exposure of that particular asset. Today, you would have that. And I say you would because, especially if you're a road warrior, you travel a lot, you have a laptop with you, most organizations will load these kind of softwares into your laptop so that you can connect safely to that Wi-Fi at the Starbucks for you to be able to log on via VPN to your corporate environment in order for you to continue so what's the window of opportunity here for organizations to respond in time to prevent or minimize the loss and damage? I'm going to go back to Capitol Hill as an example. Yes. I'm going to assume that the security guys or the cyber security guys may not be working at that point of time. If they have or if they are, they're running a 24 by 7 SOC security operation center. And if they do have an asset management software, they could potentially do a kill switch which wipes out the data of that particular laptop provided still connected to the network or it has a mobile network connectivity to that particular asset. That way, you can ensure that if the asset is not accounted for, it can be wiped out immediately. The same as your mobile device. You're using MDM solutions, mobile device management solutions. So most of the controls that we mentioned here sort of applies to uh, you know to assets that an organization um, uh, brings in there what about BYOD so like with, with all the new things that, um, uh, or, or the organization um, off lately allow a lot of employees bring their own uh, own devices with cloud uh, you know things like this um, there's no more internal infrastructure and things like this so your controls uh, that we've been discussing kind of uh, make it very difficult to manage, right? Uh, from a security point of view. So how do we add in the level of security if we have like, you know, a BYOD policy uh, in place? 
I guess it will help, just like how you, like what you rightfully said. Uh, you have assets that's owned by you, you have assets that's not owned by you. Assets that owned by you probably have more stringent controls and requirements, whereas assets that are not owned by you will probably have lesser controls. So in BYOD implementations, personal assets, you only wipe out the segment that stores corporate data. Whereas if it's an asset that's owned by the organization, you now have the option of wiping out the whole data. But be mindful that BYOD solutions or MDM solutions have the ability to wipe out the whole device. The only thing that makes it different is the policy that you implement on that particular device. Well, okay. So thank you everyone. It's good to know all the possible scenarios that can happen in the event one has to leave their machines or devices unattended for whatever reason. Thanks for joining us this week on Security Lab. Make sure to visit our website at securitylab.asia where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify or via RSS so you'll never miss a show.